When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian. Hi everyone. And uh, this is our big experiment. Uh, We are coming to you live. We thought we'd try this on our Facebook page. And uh, it always takes people just a little bit of time to to get caught up. So we'll do just a little bit of uh, chatting. Michael, we were talking about weather up there in Spokane and uh, tell us what life is like up there for you. Yeah, well, we're, you know, we, we're a winter place. We're a Four Seasons place up here in Spokane. I'm in Washington State on the east side. So um, so we just had a good amount of snow. And um, it's a little late this year. Our November was warmer than it should be, global warming and all that. Our December is already a little warmer than it should be. But we did get snow and our mountains got snow. So, uh, you know, that's a positive for sure. Yeah, we, um, we set... Um a record for November here. We had our hottest November on record. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because we had such a mild summer compared to years past. And All then right. we started out a little warm and hopefully we're going to go uh, and it'll start uh, cooling off a little bit here in the next few weeks, just in time for Christmas. So um, got a few people joining us. Just want to let you know that if you've got questions for us, we uh, will be uh, ready to take some questions today if you'd like to ask some of those. And But we're going to start with a question that came to us uh, on this Facebook page, our Facebook group page. And it sounded like a good one, sounded like a good one to get us started. And uh, we'll spend a little bit of time on this, see if you have any questions, and um, and then we'll go from there. So again, this question comes to us from one of our uh, listeners, and it was online. I got to put my glasses on. Here we go. I have a five-year-old boy, an only child, who still sucks his thumb. While thumb sucking, his other hand holds the tag of his shirt. Because of this, he will only wear shirts with tags sewn into the lower lower corner of the shirt. Whenever we get new clothes, his first question is, is the tag good? If he likes the shirt and there is no tag, he will not wear it. So in the event of gifted clothing, I have sewn tags in for him. I'm wondering if this is okay. My son's teacher said that she has never seen him suck his thumb or hold his tag at school, but I see it all the time when he is tired, and this is how he puts himself to sleep at night. Now, some family background will be helpful. I sucked my thumb but stopped altogether when I entered school. My father-in-law's dad sucked his thumb while falling asleep until he was 18 and entered the military. My mother-in-law's brother, who is currently in his 80s, has always made sucking noises with his mouth whilst holding something soft. For example, he will grab a nearby curtain or pillow fringe and rub his fingers on it. All this to say, are the forces of nature against my son outgrowing this behavior? Should I continue to cater it by sewing his tags as he gets older? Should I cater to it further by giving him a soft ribbon to keep in his pant pocket? If not, how can I help him stop the behavior without traumatizing him? Thanks for help. your help in advance. All right, now that's a really interesting question, I think. 
because um, it's not been the experience uh, in raising my kids or grandkids, but I'm sure it's not all that abnormal either. So give us some uh, some thoughts on the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an issue for a lot of folks. Uh, and this, the way she wrote it, it was, it's beautiful the way she wrote it because it brings up a number of things that would resonate for others in other behaviors their kids might have. Um, because yes, there is nature involved. She's right. And she figured out the genetics of it. So there are genes involved and, um, and the, the one that's really interesting is until 18, till he joined the military. That's fascinating. Uh, so, uh, so the genetics are there. So then kind of the question is, is when do I want to pick this battle? You know, of yeah. the battles I'm going to pick, um, uh, am I going to pick this battle as the parent? And I think everyone should get together and make a decision about that. If he's not, you know, when kids are doing some behavior in the home, but they're not doing it anywhere else, um, that that's a plus. Right. Because then they're not going to get socially. Um, well, it's a plus and a minus. The minus is that if they were doing it elsewhere, the community would socialize them out of the bad behavior. Right. That's part of what the community would try to do. But, um, uh, you know, but the plus is he's not doing it out there. So he's not getting any negatives from elsewhere. And it's a self-soothing behavior that he's only doing in the home. Mm -hmm. That makes me even more inclined to say, well, get everyone together and see if you want to pick the battle now at five or, you know, let it continue because especially the, that's also so genetic with the soft, having to touch the soft thing while doing it. You know, there's, I'm, I'm sure a genetic component to that. And um, it would be interesting to ask these other folks, including the mom to try to think back if they thought that that was a behavior that connected only to this or if there's a little OCD in there, you know, mm. that's that's maybe there were other behaviors um, connected to other things. If it's only this, if if it's just the, the sucking the thumb and then holding something, then um, uh, I feel even more inclined to say, well, maybe don't pick this battle right now because it's just this one thing, and um, and it's not probably not harming him. Um, uh, last thing I wrote in my notes was the the teeth. Um, sometimes one needs to check with, you know, orthodontists and, and dentists and so on, because sometimes um, thumb sucking can, of course, pull the teeth out. And mm -hmm. then that's going to mean uh, braces later. Um, uh, that's out of my jurisdiction. But I have heard about that being a question. So those are my initial impressions yeah. of that. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, uh, Tim Wright here, along with Michael Gurian. Uh, in the comments, if you want to tell us where you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got a question for us, um, we'll set aside a little bit of time to answer any questions that might come our way during this live event, and we're glad to have you here. So uh, Michael's been talking a little bit about one of the questions we picked up off of this Facebook page to do with thumb, thumb sucking. Uh, say that fast 10 times. Um <laughs> So, Michael, when when do you think um, thumb sucking does become a behavioral concern, if ever? Uh, I think it, I think it would be if you know doctors or dentists or you know people are talking about, well, this is causing harm. That would be structural to the mouth, okay? Right. Um, and then if if the behavior is now starting to spread out in, in you know outside the home. 
Um, so it's not just a self-soothing behavior in the home or trying to help me fall asleep, but but this is happening outside the home and it's affecting relationships with other people. Okay, then, you know, definitely. Um, and then third, I would I would say to make the decision based on consulting others. So the parents aren't alone in this, like consulting the the grandparents, you know, the, or the brother-in-law, consulting others and asking them if it affected them negatively in their mm -hmm. growing up. And if... Yeah. If if they say, man, yeah, I sure wish my parents had stopped me sooner. That's really good advice. You know, these people are experts actually on this behavior. And then but if they say, you know, I tended to be kind of an anxious kid anyway, and this soothed me and I didn't do, you know, I didn't do it really outside the home. And uh, I, I actually am glad my parents or, or I'm sorry that my parents forced me to stop or I'm glad my parents didn't. You know, that's good advice. And I would make the decision based on that. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember when my kids were little and, and uh, oftentimes parents were really concerned about the pacifier, of course, for yep. uh, going too long with that. And then the thumb, and there actually were things that you could put on a kid's thumb that would make it taste terrible. Right. Cause we really were concerned about them doing it too long. What uh, you've mentioned a couple things already, but but what is it that leads to thumb sucking to begin with? And and this behavior with, you know, sometimes it's thumb sucking with a nice soft cloth on the face and so on. What what's going on in the psyche of a child that leads to that? Not and that's not to say it's positive or negative. What's what's kind of going on? Yeah, it's just it's just genetic. You're right to say it's not positive or negative. These things are just in the in the brains of these kids, and so there's there's you know a marker that says okay, kick this in, and so then the brain sets up a a, a little loop, like probably. Uh, you know, I'm going to guess, I don't know these people, but probably what happens in their brains is the amygdala, something in the midbrain feels, feels a little anxiety, feels something like, oh, I have to fall asleep now, maybe. And maybe that causes me a little anxiety or I need help with that or, or a social situation comes up. They feel anxiety. Uh, they have to do their homework, whatever it is. And it, they feel the anxiety there. And, you know, a little loop gets set up that to the part of the brain up in the motor cortex, you know, that's going to say, well, uh, I'm going to suck my thumb and that's going to mm. soothe my anxiety. And so that's a loop that continues. And the thing is, it's not necessarily an unhealthy loop because they probably are quieting and soothing their anxiety. And that's, that's a good thing, you know, to soothe your anxiety. So, and that's how that brain is wired to do that. Um, so I'm guessing that is what is happening, that there's a loop. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of asked this before and you, you've, you've said, you know, you could want to check with people, but, um, uh, you mentioned an OCD potential, right. Uh, for this child, maybe, um, are maybe. there some things like that or, or maybe it's just kind of more of what you're saying. Well, for that, you know, they would they would want to have the child assessed. She only brought up this one thing, uh, sucking the thumb and then touching something soft. And yep. um, I only brought up OCD to be thorough. Uh, yep. But if these, you know, if these people uh, like she herself who sucked the thumb till she was five, et cetera, if these people, you know, none of them had OCD, uh, those genetics probably are not passing down. Um, it's just that when we see a repetitive behavior like that for self-soothing, we wonder and we bring yeah, it up, good. but I'm good. not, I, I wouldn't say this child is OCD. You know, thumb sucking is so common 
Yeah. And then pacifier sucking is so common that I, I would never want to say, oh, based on two paragraphs that the child is OCD. No. Sure. So Taylor wrote in and uh, kind of picking up on this thing that I talked about. They used to have stuff put yeah. on the thumb. So her question is, uh, the question is, uh, would it be traumatic to put the bad tasting nail polish on the thumb to get the child to stop? What kind of what's your thought about those sort of deterrents? Well, you know, trauma is a specific word. I wouldn't call things like that traumatic. You know, trauma is like affecting, is rewiring parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. And I know we all use the word trauma, but uh, so no problem. But no, I mean, I mean, I don't think you're going to get at the level of trauma. I, however, don't know what's in the nail polish. So I, I, I don't like putting any poisons in my yeah. kid's mouth, but I know what she's getting at. Whatever is the safe thing um, yeah. to use that safe thing. I, I, I can't say it causes trauma. One of my daughters, um, we needed to do put that. I forgot what it was. I'm sorry. It's been years ago, but we needed to put that on her thumb. I don't think it did her any harm. So yeah, check with a physician, of course. I'm not qualified, but um, just by as a concept, I don't think it creates trauma. Yeah. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Uh, we got to th uh, thank you. Uh, and thank you, uh, Taylor, for watching. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. So so basically what you're saying is it, if it tastes a little nasty, it's going to taste a little nasty, but it's not going to cause that long-term harm to the child. Yeah. Again, I don't know the chemistry of that particular thing, but the, yep. the getting them to stop this behavior at an age-appropriate time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, I don't think will cause trauma. But let me explain what I mean, though. Let's say, you know, five, five is age appropriate. Eight is age appropriate. But let's say someone said, oh, I have a two year old. I don't want my two year old sucking a thumb or a pacifier. Right. Right. And then they are. That's a battle they're picking. And that probably is not age appropriate. Uh, that child probably does still need to to have that sucking in order to self-soothe. And um and for a number of other reasons. And so the trauma could come because of the battle. And so for, you know, I don't know, daily or five or 10 times a day, this parent and this child are having this battle and it's not mm. really developmentally appropriate. And so then there's, there can be some trauma in the bond, you know, between the parent and the child. So uh, yeah, I think we want to do these things when they're developmentally appropriate. Yeah. And, and, and what strikes me about this issue as is I'm listening to you is um, this is not an issue of shame for a child. Uh, it's it's not an issue where we want to over uh, be over anxious in front of the child about this particular issue. That it's 
maybe wired in the DNA a little bit. It's appropriate, but that you work together as a family. That uh, you know, there are some issues I think that we get concerned about for our kids, like bedwetting, for example. What's going on? Uh, you know, how long should that last? But sucking the thumb doesn't seem to fall for me into that same category as I listen to you. Yeah, and even bedwetting has a genetic component. You know, I mean, bedwetting can can be a response to trauma. It can be, you know, it can be many things, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also developmentally appropriate for, for a period of time. But let's say bedwetting is still going on, you know, at, at 11 or 12. You know, there are even right. some kids where bedwetting still goes on, 11 or 12. Yes. It's just yes. their, their DNA, it, 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 it doesn't kick in to read well enough while they're asleep and and it and it happens sporadically so so uh, these things are not really elements of shame no they ought not be and they're if once we understand how much of this stuff is wired into us uh and we start looking so wisely like she did at other family members you know to see if it's there then uh i think that's even more reason to say oh no this isn't in the realm of shame or anything these are just things we work with that are, you know, like I got curly hair, you know, or, you know, there are things we work with that are inside the brains of our kids. Yeah. Uh, and again, for those of you who, who are maybe just joining us, we've been talking a little bit about thumb sucking, which was the question on this uh, Wonder of Parenting uh, page on Facebook. Uh, and uh, if you got a comment for us or you want to tell us where you're watching from, we'd sure love to hear you. Um, I, uh, I I know I mentioned this in one of our podcasts before. We sort of moved into to potty training a bit, but we had that issue uh, with one of our kids, and um, it was fascinating because the day we we actually brought someone in uh, who was going to help uh, with this issue, and um, the next day the problem was gone. And, and before we even put the program into place, it was just gone. So I don't know if it was related, and there was a little bit of I'm not having some guy come in, and, you know, or it just clicked. Um, but it was, you know, for us, it was never about panic. Um, it was about making sure that our child wasn't feeling embarrassed, uh, you know, going on overnights and so on. And so that's when it sort of became an issue was, yeah, I want to do some overnights, but I'm afraid I'll wet the bed and, and to get at that. So, uh, I'm, I'm guessing there are a lot of issues like that as we're raising our kids and trying to help them navigate through these things. Uh, and the other thing I want to pick up on, because you have said it, but it was fascinating to me how she did. You, you always talk about being a citizen scientist and she did her citizen science work on this one. Uh, I never would have thought uh, if I had a child who was sucking his thumb or her thumb, I never would have thought to say, Jan, did your dad or mom suck their thumb? I, it just fascinated me that she had the wherewithal to think that through and had such a family history of thumb sucking that she looked at. Yeah. Yeah. If, if people want more of this sort of gene based approach or thinking, uh, nurture the nature is a book I wrote a, a few years ago, nurture the nature that really looks at this to help people to be citizen scientists. Like she was, I totally congratulate her. Um, and so many of the people who write into us, I think they're getting sensitized to it because I'm noticing in the last six months or so, a number of the questions, people are doing this. They're going, well, yeah. I found out I have an uncle, you know, and and that's just a really, I just congratulate everyone for doing that because because it it does a couple things. One thing is it it brings parenting back to the family system. You yeah. know, the family system is studying itself. And of course, the parents are 
primarily responsible, but then they're spreading into the three family system. They're asking questions of extended family, et cetera. And even if their kids are adopted, you know, maybe they can get a hold of, of the, the, uh, the birth parents maybe and find mm. that out. Or if they're adopted, um, they, they can't, but they see something and they go, I bet that's genetic, you know, and that's good too, because then they know, um, you know, and that's, that's the second thing is it takes some of the, the control, um, the sort of false control away from the parents. Uh, and I, and that's good because I think in the last 30, 40 years, you know, we went through a phase where, where parents were being convinced maybe through pop psychology or media academics, you know, we could try to figure out the source, but parents were being convinced that everything was connected to their minutia of behavior with their child. Right. Yeah. So my child did this. I must've done this. You know, what did I do? I must say, Oh my gosh, I must've done this. And I think the citizen science uh, helps us to be better parents because we can let go of a lot of our own anxiety and even shame thinking we did terrible things, you know, we can let go of that and yeah. really look at what the thing is itself. Yep. All right. We got a little, uh, question here. I'm going to just read it. I'm reading it cold. Okay. Uh, a holiday related question. My four-year-old son has recently shown some distress over Santa watching him. <laughs> he asked me last night at bedtime, how Santa watches him. And then later asked if the elves are watching him. I could tell it was upsetting him. I wonder if you have any advice about how to navigate kids' questions about holidays and the things that we tell them about Santa and other characters that are all a bit deceptive in fun, right? But sometimes. And uh, I think this is an, a, a wonderful question. Um, I, I certainly, you know, went through this with my kids uh, because I, uh, uh, now th this is a little strange. I'm a Christian pastor, but I'm a big fan of Santa. And I actually play Santa every year at, at our church. Um, so I love Santa. I love the stories about Santa. Um, but there are, there are some, uh, dare I say, creepy parts about the Santa story. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's not, he doesn't sound like really that warm, wonderful person. He, he just sounds, you know, sort of like he's always waiting for us to slip up. So um, with these wonderful stories, how do we navigate the, the joy and wonder of these stories, uh, but also the fact that they aren't real? And at some point, our kids are going to say, wait a minute, you lied to me about Santa. You lied to me about uh, the Easter bunny or whatever it might be. Yeah, every parent has gone through that. Yep. Oh, and my, I, I remember when my eldest told my youngest, they, they have a three-year gap. So when my eldest told the youngest, there was no Santa, you know, and the, my younger was just like, oh, yeah, you all have been lying to me this whole time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's right. Every family goes through that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, that everyone needs to just do what's developmentally appropriate for their family. If, in terms of the, if there's something the parents can't explain with an iconic figure like Santa, I think the easy out for us as parents, I think I used it a few times was, oh yeah, that is a mystery. I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. Santa is just bigger than I am. You know, I, I don't know. Um, it's just like God. I, I don't, it's a mystery to me and I really don't know. And then you just sort of hope that 
for the child's sake that the child stops asking that question and doesn't ask it of a bunch of other people until one of them says, well, you know, there ain't no Santa. If the child yeah. keeps the question with you and you say it's a mystery and, and you know, probability is the child's going to let that go. Like the advantage of Santa for the child are so much bigger than this weird question I'm having about, or this actually accurate question about Santa's creepiness. Uh, you know, the child will maybe go, okay, and move on to some other question later. Mm -hmm. um, but but we have to do it's developmentally appropriate. And if if it gets to the point where there are just too many questions and the parents have to say, well, you know, we know kids love Santa, so we we told you Santa existed, but really we're Santa. Kids get over that so fast on that particular thing. You know, this is not like lying about big things. This is this right. is something kids get over and and they get it. Uh, so for this four-year-old, I hope for the four-year-old's sake that they can keep the illusion going. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it is a, it is sort of a, a, a scary concept for a child to think, especially if my Christmas gifts are dependent on my behavior, uh, and Santa's watching me, I don't stand a chance. Right. And of course, a lot of people, their view of God is shaped by that kind of thing too. Right. Um, so, you know, for us in our family, part of it was just always having fun with Santa. We we kind of downplayed the he's watching you kind of stuff. Plus, my kids saw their father playing Santa. My grandkids see their grandpa playing Santa. So for us, we had a little bit of an advantage where they they sort of knew there's something fun about this, but it isn't quite real. But I also noticed that, especially with my 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 grand my granddaughters now. Um, when, when we're at Disneyland, for example, they think that those characters, Anna and Elsa are real, right? Wow. And, and then we'll, I'll pull them aside and, and they'll say something that I know they're not real, but they'll at, when they're around them, it's like they're real, they're real people. So uh, that's just, that's really good for imagination. Our, our kids need oh, yeah. imagination. They need these kinds of characters to sort of enter into fantasy worlds with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As much as possible, we want to um, do that for them. It's one of the, you know, it's actually one of the reasons we beg parents to make sure their kids, for instance, are reading, you know, an hour yeah. a day or more, because it's, it's spreading the signaling through the brain and the imagination does that. And uh, in terms of skill building, you know, future problem solving, visioning, there's so much, um, uh, even romance, you know, things that are later going to become where people connect and attach so much of that stuff. We've got to develop our imaginations. And, um, and we have these years when we're kids to do that. And um, because at a certain point, right, that part of the brain, you know, that stuff, it's, it's going to, you know, it'll always develop, but it's a lot of that stuff fills in. So we want our kids to do that. It's very healthy for them. And that's why I, I don't think it's unhealthy for them to, quote unquote, believe in Santa, because right. they do so much imagining um, around where Santa lives and, you know, and then they get on NORAD and, you know, all of that stuff is just yep. building the brain. So that's I really right. like it. I agree with you, though. We never we never did the naughty, the naughty, nice. Our expectations of our children they knew were based on our expectations of them, not on Santa's, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I agree with you and, there. And I would just say for faith-based families, uh, the Santa story is rooted in a historic figure, uh, St. Nicholas from uh, the 300s. So for those who really want to sort of combine 
um, in, in Christian faith traditions, the story of Santa with the, the story of Christmas. There's some really wonderful resources out there. Um, a couple of comments here. Uh, one's a comment and then a question. Michael, you'll like this. Hello from Michigan. I'm just now finishing up reading the book, Saving Our Sons, and it is a new favorite. I will be gifting it this year for Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And the more Saving Our Sons books you can gift, uh, the better. Um, so let's see. Um, and the minds uh, now, of girls for those of you. The who minds have of girls. girls. That's right. Those minds are companion books. Saving our sons and the minds of girls. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments, and it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Now, I've got uh, a question from someone, and then she wrote in a clarification. So so let me um, uh, get to that. It says, I'm worried that my six-year-old girl has attention problems. She has an upset, crying, fussy episode nearly every day uh, at home, lasting about 20 minutes. She holds it in at school. She has started to say she wants to rip something up as she doesn't really understand how to get her big feelings out. She gets very upset about how her clothes fit. She's a perfectionist, so can really get upset when her work isn't turning out right. I struggle with what kind of help to give her and how to support her. Uh, and then uh, to clarify my earlier comment, I meant that I worry that my girl has attention problems based on my own observations and my own struggle with this. She also has accompanying big emotions. Great. Thank you for the, the clarification. Okay. Um, so, um, Michael, some interesting, uh, that's an interesting, uh, situation. So, uh, you know, what do you hear in that? Yeah. Not, not an uncommon one. When she says right. my own, is she saying then that she, when she was six had this, is that how you understand uh, my own? So she had this so problem if, as well. Yeah. If you, if you want to, uh, write that in for us at Mike's to, to clarify, uh, what Michael is asking there, uh, Mom, was this something that you wrestled with or something you're wrestling with now uh, that shapes your daughter? But uh, we'll see if she gets back okay. in. Okay. Well, in terms of, yeah, you know, it's just like we spoke earlier about OCD. Um, so perfectionism, a lot of these things come in on our genome and they are connected to an anxiety genetics. So uh, like I have sleep problems. Well, sleep problems are actually connected to anxiety genetics or they can be. And in yes. my case, I'm pretty sure they are. So so these things connect to each other and anxiety is a, is a key word in all this. So then, then, and then perfectionism, you know, it, what happens is the brain d works really hard to do it perfectly um, and feels anxiety during that process and yep. then looks at it and, and goes, whatever it was, and says, Oh, I don't think it's perfect. And then feels anxiety about that. And, um, our, what we as parents are needing to do, and it can take years, what we as parents are needing to do with this child is acknowledge that this perfectionism is going to end up being something of an asset. It will, yes. it, 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 they're following through their, you know, there's a lot of good going on with it, but that it's, it's going to create anxiety. And so we need to teach that child, um, whatever works in that fi family, mindfulness, prayer, uh, distracting, a good kind of distraction, you know, um, uh, other self-soothing, um, 
self-soothing while doing the activity, you know, mm -hmm. that we're trying to make perfect. And then, and then, um, failure, you know, acknowledging failure and failure's okay. And we just kind of drill this into the head of this child, um, over a period of years so that the child, you know, the expect child's expectations of life can reduce a little bit away from perfectionism, but we, but the child will still keep the asset. And that child will still be a perfectionist. And in the end, you know, that will end up being a good thing too. So, so just know you're in this for a few years. And especially if you yourself went through this. Yeah, and, what, and she this. clarified, What'd by the say? way, she said, she said she struggled with the attention part of it, not necessarily the big emotions. Okay. The attention part of it. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. With the attention. So it's interesting because if usually if people are perfectionists, they actually do pay good attention to the yeah. thing they're trying to do well. Um, and, and, but they could, you know, get distracted or not multitask as well in other things, but they tend to pay good attention to this thing. Uh, so I'm going to take a guess that that's what's happening here. Um, this child is six, so it's still mm -hmm. a little early to look at ADD, um, possible, possible. And of course, people would, you'd need to go to the, the professional to, to get an assessment. Um, but I, I would kind of ride with this. I would try, um, uh, oh, and then the other thing is the, before I sum up the crying for 20 minutes after school. Okay. So that's, that's overstim that has been held in. Right. And she's right. The child has been overstimulated in school. And yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's just what the school experience is for this child as she is having to try to do everything perfectly, you know, so all of that. And then then she's got to release it. I don't think that release is unhealthy unless someone is going to tell give me more information. It seems mm -hmm. normal in that cycle to me of a perfectionist child who, who has to release and yeah. tearing paper up or tearing something up. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, do you never harm anything animate, anything living, right. but mm -hmm. things that are inanimate where you're really, it's, there's no harm in that. Um, I think that's fine for the body to somaticize, to move some of that emotion through the body. So never anyone can't hit anybody, but, but tearing something up or, or you know, or pounding the ground or having a tantrum and pounding the ground that does no harm that releases the emotion because remember the emotion has to be ex it's experienced it's expressed and then it's expelled right that's what the mm. body is trying and the brain are trying to do good they experience it they express it and they expel it so if that's what she's doing uh that's okay yep. you know i don't see harm yeah uh so uh one of the questions uh as a follow-up she asked was um is the physician the place to start if you were, you know, cause you had mentioned maybe ADD. ADD. Yeah. Well, right now it's hard to get a hold of people, you know? Uh, so, but I, you know, ADD, you want to start with someone who does neuropsych batteries. So that's that the physician might be the primary that you talk to that gives the referral. Um, and then, you know, it's going to go to a psychiatrist or someone at an ADD ADHD clinic, depending on the size of the city that specializes and does batteries. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll, it may be an MD. Um, mm -hmm physician it may be the pediatrician but my guess is that person is gonna uh refer to a specialist okay uh and i i would recommend we've already mentioned it but i recommend if you haven't read michael's book the mind of girls um it's a great resource uh because he, he does a very nice job of sort of walking through the different ages 
and the different stages. And uh, I think you'll find some really helpful things uh, in there as well. Um, we're going to pick up one final question. We really appreciate all these questions. Um, I, uh, how can I help my super sensitive middle child, a son who is five? It is hard to parent my other sons and give them compliments because he will respond with, it makes me feel like I'm not a good boy when you tell the older child that they're being a good boy. All right. So the essence of it is if someone, if one of the siblings is given a compliment, he takes that sort of as a negative on himself. So very sensitive middle child, five years old son. Yeah. Uh, this, the sensitivity part again, genetic markers for that, you know, some kids, everyone's on a spectrum. Some kids are more sensitive. That's how they're wired. Um, on this particular thing though, I could be wrong, but this sounds sounds kind of like a manipulative behavior. And mm. I would, I would, you know, if I were parenting this child, now I only have this little bit of information, but if I right. were parenting this child, I would be going, you know, this isn't your moment. Okay. I, I have moments for you. I've praised you about A, B, C, and D. This wasn't your moment. I'm mm -hmm. speaking to Joe. Uh, and so that um, this child you know, developmentally learns what his lane is. Because uh, if he's, and manipulative may have sounded rude to, the, to this parent, and I don't mean it in a rude way. I mean that he's trying right. to get his needs met, you know, but he's getting them met in a way that can harm the relationship with someone else sure. and in the family. And that that is what I meant by that. So he needs to have his lane. And if he's a sensitive child, he may need even more encouragement and targeted encouragement, you know, like you did that really well that I loved how you did that, you know, so that it's targeted and somewhat precise to his, what he does. Um, and then of course being unconditionally loved for who he is. Uh, but this particular thing, I might take that on as a parent and say, mm, no, no, I, I you, you're interrupting what I'm doing here. And, mm -hmm. and we, we can't do that. I need to be able to have this relationship with my other child. I know one of your favorite words is resilience. And it sounds like this is a chance to teach this young man, this young boy, some resilience in that not every compliment is going to be for him. Right. Uh, and uh, there are other people who are going to be complimented. And, and, and if he can enjoy and live in... Um, the compliments of others, that's just going to make him stronger as well. I, I Yeah, I think so. And it'll take time. It, it's, yeah. You know, he's, he's fine. It's going to take time to get this message through to him. And if he's been, if it, it, the, and the message being that we want you to be resilient, you know, and yep. that's part of our job as parents to help make you not just make you feel better, but make you feel stronger. And, um, and that's the resilience piece. Now, if he's been severely traumatized, I do want to put in parentheses that she didn't mention anything, but if a child right. has been severely traumatized, a parent has died, there's been abuse, um, you know, trauma, really significant trauma, right. then, then that behavior can be a signal of the trauma. A at the same time, we're still going to use similar strategies. We're, we're still going to point out that this isn't the lane, you know, and, and, but because the kid's been traumatized, we're going to be extra sensitive and go, okay, okay, some of this is trauma, uh, real neediness, uh, b attachment bonding, you know, all this stuff that could be related to, to the trauma. So I'm going to increase my time spent with this child, but not decrease right. 
with the other. Right. And as is always the case, whenever we're answering a specific question, we'll usually broaden the discussion uh, to include maybe some others. So um, uh, mom wrote back, I'm assuming it was mom, sorry, I probably shouldn't assume that, and said it makes perfect sense to see where you're coming from. So that's good. And then uh, I hope you have more of these lives. Really loves the Facebook or the uh, podcasts and the books and the Facebook page. Well, uh, and we're very, very appreciative of, of all of you. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to, to watch us today. Uh, we've got uh, the podcast up right now. I think the one this one is on uh, what's on Gurian's mind lately. And uh, so we're talking about some of his things and uh, that he's been thinking about. And uh, we're actually we're going to hang up on you folks. And then Michael and I are going to record some new podcasts uh, for January. So uh, we appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we hope that you have just a wonder-filled holiday season. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.